0: Dr. Flanagan, Dr. Downs, members and guests, it's a pleasure to present the take-home messages on minimally invasive surgery. My disclosures. There are really uh, hundreds of abstracts here and uh, there is an area in urology that hasn't been, has been touched by less invasive approaches. We will uh, target the various organ systems, starting with the adrenal gland. Uh, study by Zeng et al, looking at OPEN uh, versus uh, laparoscopic adenectomy for genocortical carcinoma. Small number of patients, but overall, these studies showed that OPEN is superior to laparoscopic in this cohort. Larger tumors were done in the OPEN series, and uh, also there was higher disease survival, higher disease-free survival in the OPEN series compared to laparoscopy. This was rather small, simple size, reflective of the disease incidence with respect to uh, urologists doing more urgenolectomies. This this was asked uh, by Fuletra and al. Most adrenal surgeries are currently done by general surgeons. Uh, They do have endocrine surgeons who uh, work with endocrinologists and tend to have other referrals. So this study looked at the outcomes with respect to urologists versus general surgeons using a National Safety Quality Improvement Project database. All adenonectomies were done be- during, uh, between 2011 and 2015. They looked at CPT code data, assessing complications, uh, length of stay, 30 day readmissions, admissions, reoperations, and mortality. 90% of the surgeries were done by general surgeons. Only 10% was done by urology, urologists. And there was no difference in outcome despite the large disparity. The authors argue that urologists should perform more surgeries. Moving on to the kidney, retrospective analysis done by Bendy et al. Very large renal masses uh, being looked at. Primary endpoint GFR, second endpoint being complication rate, chronic kidney disease, overall survival, and progression free survival. Uh, Less invasive uh, partial nephrectomy. There was adequate functional benefit, no increased morbidity, no difference in 30 day complications, and adequate oncologic outcome favoring partial nephrectomy. The message is for, for us to consider partial nephrectomy for large tumors when clinically feasible. Moving on to larger tumors, uh, Risto et al., a large multi-center study looking at 741 patients with an inflammatory score of 10 to 12, uh, 271 patients had partial nephrectomies while 470 had uh, radical nephrectomy at follow 30.6 months. More radical infectamies were done in female and uh, also patients with higher inflammatory scores. Five-year overall survival favored partial nephrectomy at 94.7% versus 67% for radical nephrectomy. There was reduced overall survival associated with age, inflammatory score higher than 12, and high-grade tumor and high-stage disease. Five-year progression free survival was higher for partial nephrectomy versus radical nephrectomy. There was no difference in the risk of positive surgical margin, but risk increased by uh, 3.8% with respect to uh, blood loss. No difference in 30-day compli- complication rates between partial and radical nephrectomy. The message is for partial nephrectomy for complex nephrometry score to be considered since there was no increased oncologic risk or no higher 30-day complication rates. Looking at uh, laparoscopy versus robotic radical nephrectomy. Uh, large national cancer database between 2010-2014. The outcome studies included open conversion, length of stay over four days, and 30-day readmission. Uh, There was a trend towards uh, more robotic being done, and uh, with respect to uh, the risk adjusted, it favored partial nephrectomy. The message is for robot assisted to radical nephrectomy, uh, it's associated with a modest improvement in operative outcome compared to laparoscopic galiconephrectomy excuse me <clears throat> moving on to higher stage disease for patients with tumors involving the, 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 venica, the renal vein or vena cava large multi center data, uh, database looked at out of 2245 patients 120 had stage Equal or higher than T3A. 110 had laparoscopic removal, while 10 had robotic. 95% had level 1 thrombus. Outcomes studied include cancer specific survival, overall survival, renal function complications. Looking at uh, GFR, OR time, and HP blood loss, only 1.1% of patients required uh, bypass, and there was a high, high rate of uh, Clavian 3 complications. The message is, minimal invasive surgery is feasible for adequate oncologic results, but complications remain high. And this was indeed uh, inexperienced hands, so caution is certainly in order. Moving on to the bladder, does robotic cystectomy achieve on- effic- oncologic efficacy for locally advanced bladder cancer? Large database uh, study looking at over 4,000 patients who had open radical cystectomy versus robotic. Using multivariate analysis, there was no relation between approach and margin status overall survival. Uh, female sex, lymphovascular invasion were associated with positive surgical margins. Age increased child's com- comorbidity score, uh, node positive, uh, led to worse survival. Pelv- pelvic lymph and dissection, increased lymph node yield over 21 nodes had better survival. In summary, it uh, robotic assistive radical cystectomy has comparable efficacy for locally advanced disease, but the importance of node, uh, adequate node dissection uh, is highlighted as higher survival was seen in that uh, cohort. Another large multi center study uh, with many centers uh, from Europe looking at open versus robotic assistive radical cystectomy for most invasive bladder cancer. Robotic assistive radical cystectomy had lower operative time lower EBL, lower transfusion rate, lower length of stay, and less major complications. There was no difference in cancer-specific survival. Follow-up, however, was only 30 months. Two-year cancer-specific survival favored robot assisted radical cystectomy uh, versus OPEN. On multivariate analysis, however, higher stage and positive surgical margins were associated with risk recurrence. The take-home message is that robot assisted radical cystectomy had promising surgical outcomes. Moving on to the prostate, uh, the only uh, randomized study seen with uh, with respect to looking at dorsal vein ligation, delayed ligation was not detrimental to outcome. The option should be based on cancer characteristics. Quality of life after surgery for localized prostate cancer was looked at by uh, Wang et al. 372 patients uh, had uh, multiple treatment modalities, uh, robot-assisted adecopostomy, break cryotherapy, over a four-year period of mean follow-up of 41 months. Using EPIC questionnaire, look at five domains. All quality-of-life domains were affected by prostate cancer treatment. Uh, the message is that quality-of-life remains a major concern after prostate cancer treatment. Each treatment has a unique recovery profile, least obstructive symptoms were seen in... Uh, 60% assisted prostatectomy while incontinence was seen with uh, less inquiry therapy but high erectile dysfunction. Complications uh, were looked at in salvage uh, prostatectomy. Complications were not different between the two groups at tertiary referral centers. Testis, also, many studies done on testis, large national database. The message is that uh, RPLMD is less frequent than open, uh, higher 30 degree admissions after chemotherapy. Uh, word on training, most important to train adequately. Several models are now available. This is uh, from Hong et al. from uh, in Ca- California here. Uh, silicone vescurator anastomosis used uh, from 3D printed model assess the realism and uh, utility. Uh, the experts had led t- tissue deformation. In conclusion, the model exhibits realism and usefulness and can identify experts. Uh, Another study looking at training uh, with robotic uh, uh, s- surgeries, looking at medical students uh, getting feedback, which can be difficult to obtain. This, this study looked at uh, uh, s- social media platform to provide feedback to medical students. Remote feedback expert uh, using social networking was as effective as standard in-person feedback in helping trainees acquire robotic skills. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Dr. Flanagan. Thank you, uh, Dr. Downs, for giving me the opportunity to present the take home messages on imaging uh, during this uh, AUA meeting. I have no uh, disclosures. Uh, there were more than 80 abstracts that were presented uh, during this meeting, and what I plan to do today is um, highlight some of the emerging applications of ultrasound uh, and various approaches for reducing radiation exposure to the patient as well as the surgeon, and highlight some of the emerging application of uh, PET imaging uh, for estimated disease burden as well as disease recurrence. And uh, majority of the abstracts that were presented during this, this meeting were on, uh, prostate MRI, so I'll spend a little bit of time um, highlighting some of those. And then uh, I would like to present what, what I think is the future, uh, the application of artificial intelligence and image-guided surgery in urology. So this uh, is an abstract that was presented by the group from Virginia and was selected as the the best poster in that session. And what they did was to evaluate the utility of uh, ultrasound in uh, detecting the overactivity. Uh, They developed uh, this using the M-mode of of ultrasound and evaluated this in uh, a, a, a postline model and went on to uh, evaluate this um, application in patients with uh, overactive bladder as well as in patients without uh, overactive bladder. And what they found was that uh, the, the, the M mode of ultrasound in detecting uh, detrusor overactivity has a sensitivity of 50% and a specificity of uh, 100% and in uh, determining uh, patients that have uh, overactive bladder. Of course, this is still um, under development, but it may represent a non-invasive way uh, of evaluating these patients um, as opposed to urodynamics. Uh, Uh, Next, uh, this uh, abstract is from a group in Philadelphia. Uh, They evaluate the the utility of a contrast-enhanced ultrasound to uh, detect recurrence after ablation for uh, renal cell carcinoma. And uh, the unique thing about this approach is that the contrast agent is uh, uh, gas-filled microbubbles and uh, is given IV. It does not uh, have um, any uh, renal contraindication. And uh, this approach is able to uh, detect uh, recurrence. Although uh, there were only two cases of recurrence in this cohort, uh, what they found was that uh, the sensitivity uh, of detecting recurrence was 100% and uh, the negative predictive value was, uh, was 100%. Uh, next, the next few abstracts are uh, looking at uh, reducing radiation exposure to uh, the patient as well as the surgeon. Uh, this group from Belgium uh, evaluated the utility of using a low-dose CT uh, to evaluate patients suspected of having renal stern. And essentially what they did was to, vary, uh, uh, to uh, uh, change two variables. Uh, in One is uh, reducing the amount of uh, kilo voltage as well as reducing the amount of uh, radiation exposure per second uh, to the patient and uh, what they found was that using Using this approach resulted in 60% reduction of the dose of radiation to the patient. And uh, critically, uh, the image quality was not compromised, it was still sufficient uh, to make the diagnosis of renal calculi, and uh, no added cost, meaning that there's no uh, n- need for any uh, new additional software or a machine needed. So uh, I think that if this is not available at your institution, you may want to have a conversation with uh, your radiologist to see about implementing this. Uh, this abstract, uh, presented from the group from uh, Vancouver, went a little bit, you know, a step further, looking at ultra-low dose CT. And what they uh, did was to compare the performance of ultra-low dose CT with a conventional CT, as well as uh, a, a standard uh, plain abdominal x-ray. And interestingly, they found that uh, using the ultra-low dose CT was associated with uh, less radiation exposure compared to uh, a standard KUB. And uh, again, there's no compromise in the quality of the images. Uh, Using this approach has um, a high performance profile. Uh, shifting gears uh, to to the surgeon, there were two abstracts that evaluated factors that affect the amount of radiation exposure that the uh, the surgeon uh, encounters uh, during uh, urological procedures. And uh, this group uh, evaluated the influence of height of the surgeon, as well as the distance of the surgeon um, from uh, the radiation source. And what they found was that Uh, surgeons that are shorter, about five uh, foot, two inches, and surgeons that are standing further away from uh, the radiation source had higher radiation exposure. And the explanation is that the image intensifier actually provides some protective shield from the surgeon, so the further you stand away, the more radiation you're actually exposed to. Uh, the, the, this same group also evaluated the utility of uh, lead glasses in protecting our eyes and our orbit uh, during fluoroscopy. And interestingly, they found that although lead glasses reduced the amount of radiation to the eyes, the eyes still received up to 56% of the unshielded radiation dose, uh, suggesting that there may be a need to, uh, to modify uh, lead glasses, if you have one, um, perhaps uh, adding additional protection to the side of, of the orbit. Uh, shifting gears to uh, uh, PET-CT, we know that CT and conventional CT and MRI has uh, high specificity uh, but poor sensitivity of about 20 to 40% for detecting uh, pelvic lymph metastasis in patients with penile cancer. So what this group did was to uh, look at patients with uh, clinically or histologically proven inguinal metastasis and, uh, and who had um, FDGT. FDG-PET-CT and found that using this uh, modality uh, resulted in a sensitivity of 89% for picking up uh, pelvic lymph node metastases. Now looking at patients with uh, biochemical recurrence after treatment for prostate cancer, uh, this group evaluated the utility of uh, psma pet MRI, as opposed to uh, PET-CT, and uh, they found that using this modality resulted in uh, a significant uh, improvement in detecting local recurrence in patients with uh, biochemical recurrence. And Interestingly, these patients have uh, a low PSA at the time of recurrence, less than one. Uh, There were several abstracts on uh, prostate MRI, and a number of them uh, examined the utility of using membranous urethral length. Uh, to predict uh, urinary incontinence, uh, urinary continence recovery after radical prostatectomy, and they all reported that the length of the membranous urethra uh, is associated with uh, improved uh, urinary uh, continence. Uh, this particular abstract from Germany uh, compared uh, the membranous urethra length to uh, various uh, models, including uh, the MSKCC uh, score, and they found that uh, the membranous urethra length was an independent predictor of urinary uh, continence uh, recovery. So the question is, what is the optimal membranous urethral length? Uh, so this abstract from uh, the UK looked at uh, patients who uh, underwent a radical prostatectomy and had a uh, preoperative uh, MRI and found that the optimal membranous urethral length is 15 uh, a millimeter. I-, I think this information is important uh, for preoperative counseling and for preoperative planning. Perhaps uh, you may take uh, uh, you know, approaches to uh, preserve the urethral length, such as during the bladder neck dissection as well as your apical dissection. But you probably will not always have MRI on everyone, so this group from Australia looked at uh, the uh, capability of using a transperineal ultrasound to estimate the uh, membranous urethral length. And what they found was that uh, 96% of the membranous urethral length as measured by MRI and uh, ultrasound uh, were essentially equivalent, meaning that you can use this modality if MRI is not available. Now, we sometimes, you know, wonder what to do when you have um, a negative uh, fusion biopsy result in a patient with uh, a pyroids 5 lesion. And Dr. Lenny group from UCLA showed that when you re-biopsy these patients, about 24% of them are upgraded. So this is something that you may want to keep in mind if uh, you you get a fusion biopsy, uh, a negative fusion biopsy result in a patient with um, a high pyroids lesion. Another group from uh, San Antonio looked at patients with a negative uh, fusion biopsy result and found uh, that about 52% of these lesions that are uh, negative at fusion biopsy were due to inflammation. Interestingly, uh, we we observed a high proportion in patients uh, with PIRATS-4 and PIRATS-5 lesion. And this is important because uh, the question is, are we doing a good job in um, interpreting these images? And I think that, uh, you know, we may ask the question, is it time to replace humans with um, artificial intelligence. Uh, in this conference, there were, you know, multiple um, articles looking at uh, artificial intelligence for uh, interpreting uh, MRI images, and really the uh, the the, uh, uh, the theme that is coming to all of these uh, abstracts, where that artificial intelligence can help us to determine who needs an MRI, it can help us to improve MRI interpretation, it can facilitate prostate cancer localization. Uh, This particular abstract uh, from the Birch collaborative uh, led by um, uh, Dr. Messin uh, used a machine learning approach they support vector machines and combined age, PSA, and prostate volume to develop an algorithm that can predict uh, patients that will have uh, a PARTS 4 or 5 lesion on a subsequent MRI and develop this algorithm that is publicly available at this website. Uh, What it does though is it generates a probability of having a PARTS 4 or 5 lesion, but at the moment there's no cutoff, so this will still require further evaluation. Uh, There were several other abstracts that looked at uh, various uh, machine learning approaches uh, even beyond PIRAT score looking at entropy score uh, that was shown to have a 0.89 AUC for uh, predicting clinically significant prostate cancer with 100% sensitivity and a negative predictive value but again is a small group of patients and will require further uh, evaluation. Uh, another interesting abstract looked at um, analyzing uh, the dots in every image, uh, pixel by pixel, and combining this into aggregate to uh, generate um, uh, areas where prostate cancer might be located in the prostate. And these are two patient examples. The orange uh, represent the area of uh, the prostate cancer. And in blue, um, around each area is what the machine learning approach uh, predicts to be the location of the cancer. And this I was reported to, to have an AUC of 0.98 with high sensitivity and specificity. But Again, this is still evolving, and I think that uh, I think this is the future uh, that machine learning will perhaps replace uh, some of us in interpreting um, MRI images. Uh, lastly, uh, this uh, abstract that was voted as the, selected as the best poster in this session and also presented as a video uh, evaluated the use of. Uh, a novel nerve binding agent, uh, GE3126, uh, during uh, minimally invasive surgery to identify nerves, nerves as little as two millimeter in diameter. Um, and if what they found was that uh, the uh, subjective uh, identification of the nerves during flu- uh, fluorescence uh, was uh, in agreement with the objective identification of these nerves using the signal uh, to noise ratio. This is still under development. I think it will be very useful for uh, urologic surgery. Uh, With that, I'd like to say thank you to all the authors and uh, thank you for listening.